My name is Hubert. I'm an alcoholic. Uh, truly grateful to me and another means of Alcoholics Anonymous, clean and sober today. Uh, but by the grace of God, nothing that I did, uh, I give all, give all credit to God. Uh, but I grew up uh, born and raised in Chicago. Uh, my dad <clears throat> was a, a functional alcoholic. He was able to drink and, you know, go to work, come home, make sure the bills was paid, go to sleep and get up and go to work again. Um, but when my drinking career started, I wasn't able to do that. Um, I can remember when I got, when I turned 12, my mom and dad had separated because he was, he was verbally abusive. Um, I could never remember any physical uh, altercations, but verbally he was very abusive to my mom and she got to the point to where she wasn't taking it no more and you know one day I can remember my dad went to work and my mom had has 10 brothers and my dad went to work that morning about 10 minutes after he left I can remember looking out the window seeing a big moving truck pull up and all 10 of my uncles come and you know just come and swipe everything out of the house furniture beds, dresses. Um, my dad came home. I don't. I. I, I could imagine what what was going on when he came home and everything was in shambles and thawed everywhere. And uh, we uh, ended up moving to the projects in uh, Chicago, rough neighborhood. And uh, I was sheltered most of my life because I grew up in church all of my life. And um, when I got to high school. I wanted to see what the other half lived like, and I started to venture off into smoking a little weed and, you know, drinking a little bit, um, and it got to the point over the years where it got out of control, and I wasn't in control no more. I can remember, I know this Alcoholics Anonymous, but I can remember being in high school in the cafeteria, snorting heroin off the cafeteria table and just didn't care. By that time, I was gone. Um, and it all was a resort of my, my mom and dad separating. And it was like I had resentments toward my mom for a long time until I got older and really seeing how verbally abusive my dad was. I had resentments against my mom because she took me away from my father, you know. Um, and a lot of stuff that I got involved in was a direct result of my dad not being there because I wanted to know certain things, and I went off and started venturing off into the streets and getting involved with gangs and stuff like that. And so for a long time, I, I, I ain't gonna say I hated my mom, but I was, I was really resentful, and uh, I was mad at her, because you took my dad away, you know, you took him away. Um, as I got older, um, going to high school and different things in Chicago, I got kicked out of high school, and I did that on purpose because I wanted to go live with my dad because I got to, got to the point where my mom had remarried. Now, here come this other guy that's my, supposed to be my stepfather. I don't want to listen to you. You're not my stepdad. You're not my daddy. And You know, the stuff that you go through trying to get used to a stepdad. So I got in trouble in school on purpose, got kicked out of that school in that district so that I can be put into a school in the district close to my dad's house. 
And today I know that that was the biggest mistake that I ever made because my dad's work schedule, he would leave at 7 o'clock in the morning, and sometime I wouldn't see him no more until about 9 or 10 o'clock at night. So if I didn't want to go to school, I didn't have to go. And I started ditching and, you know, playing hooky and hanging out with guys that I would normally see on the weekend when I was living with my mom, but now I'm in the, I'm in the same area with these guys, seeing them on a daily basis. And when I was seeing them on the weekend, I really didn't know what these guys was doing throughout the week. I was just seeing them like Friday, Saturday, then Sunday I'm going back home. But come to find out these guys were heavy drinkers, heavy users, you know, into all type of stuff, and I didn't know. But I wanted these guys to accept me so I started doing what they was doing. I started drinking more, smoking more, getting into trouble more, because I thought that was cool. Um, ended up joining the gang, and you know, you know what comes with that. But um, by this time, alcohol and drugs is in full control of my life. You know, right now I'm not drinking to 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 for enjoyment. I'm drinking because I need it to get through the day, you know, to get through school or get to whatever I need it. You know, it got out of hand. Uh, the drugs got real bad. Got to the point where didn't nobody want me around no more. Uh, a lot of my other friends that wasn't into that type of stuff, I could never figure out why they went on to go to college they went on to get married and buy houses and different things like that and have families. I could never pull it off. And I was never a really bad person. All the trouble that I got into was trouble from being a follower, following other people, wanting to be, in, wanted to be accepted in their clique and in their group. So I did what they did, and I wasn't good at it, so I got caught. I'm the one that, that got caught and went to jail, got caught and got in trouble. You know, so I wasn't good at it, but I was hooked. Now I'm full-fledged addict, alcoholic, you know. Uh, nobody in the family wanted me around. Ended up dropping out of high school. Um, only went to the penitentiary. It only took one time, you know, to go to the penitentiary. Um, but I didn't, I didn't have to do a whole lot of time. It was just a little petty case. But I got probation nine times before the judge finally sent me to the penitentiary because I was getting in trouble in Will County, Cook County, DuPage. I was spreading it around, you know. Uh, but once I went to the penitentiary, I was like, no, this is not for me. I don't, I don't want this type of lifestyle. So I went to the drug treatment classes in the penitentiary, and there was a part of uh, conditions for your parole that you, I had to uh, do drug, drug counseling when I got out. I did that long enough just to get off probate, I mean, get off parole. Was never really, um, how can I put it, convinced that I was an alcoholic. I just didn't know how to control myself when I was when I got drunk. You know, I I wouldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't admit that that I was an alcoholic. You know, um, but it took a little time. You know, back in uh, 1997 still out there getting drinking and getting loaded, and uh, ran out of money, uh, no, ran out of drugs, and uh, was so so frantic and geeked, I went into an abandoned building and got some drywall off the wall and put it in one of them little baggies and went on the dope spot 
and sold it to a guy that was looking for the real stuff. And I guess I walked off and was going to get the real stuff. And I thought I had got away, and I was walking through the alley, and I turned, and I seen some headlights coming at me. This guy in his car ran me down, ran me over. Um, I was pent up against the wall. I felt the driver's side mirror and all, the, all that stuff going across my face. And the car went on past. And by that time, I really didn't know all the damage that was done. And I, the adrenaline was going so high. I got up. And when I stood up, the guy looked through the rearview mirror and saw that I was still standing. And, you know, when you put the car in reverse, the red light that come on, I seen the red light come on. And he put it in reverse and came back to try to finish me off. And when the car got to me, I was able to push myself off, off of the car and, like, threw myself into a parking lot. And it was like a big hump where the car couldn't get over. Meanwhile, it was a guy over at the light had seen everything that happened, and he hurried up and came over there. He said, don't move, don't move, don't move. I'll stay right here. I'm going to try to go after the guy. He jumps in his car and tried to go catch the guy, got away. And I didn't know all the damage that was done to me at that time, you know, trying to chase this alcohol and these drugs. And when I, when I blacked out, I woke up. It was like 4 o'clock the next morning. My mom, my aunts. And my great-grandma, they standing over me in the hospital bed with my, my leg up in the sling and all broke up, bandaged up, thing around my head. And they crying like, Lord, please don't take them. Don't let them die. Don't let them die. Don't let them die. And you know that still wasn't enough for me to be convinced that I was an alcoholic. I can remember um, after I got out of the hospital, I had got in trouble again. And this time I was facing uh, six to 30 years, no, no less than six, no more than 30. A big drug, got caught with a lot of drugs. And um, I stayed in the county for about nine months. They ended up throwing it out because the judge didn't have, the uh, police didn't have probable cause to stop me. But I was dead in the wrong. But that was just a case right there of, of God, God doing for me what I couldn't do for myself. Um, I got out of jail that time, and I still, you know, managed to, you know, hang around and, you know, do a little dirt, but nothing real serious because I was getting older and didn't want to didn't go to jail no more. So I got to a place where I got, I didn't have nowhere to go, and I was living in a, a, a shelter. In the, it was in a church, and while living in the shelter, this young lady and her mom came from down south preaching a revival, and I started talking to this girl, and uh, we ended up, you know, talking, liking on each other. And when her mom went back home, she stayed a couple extra weeks. So she eventually went back home. Long story short, I ended up marrying this girl. I went down there to Mississippi, thought that I was going to get away from Chicago. I ain't got to worry about the drugs, I ain't got to drinking. It's going to be cool. It's going to be a different environment. But you know what? I took me with me. When I left Chicago and went to Mississippi, I took me with me. The same mindset, the same attitude, the same habits, I took them with me because I had not got into a structured environment and, and I had not really admitted that I was an alcoholic and, and wanted to do something about it. So I went down there and 
caused havoc in this lady's life and, you know, her family's life and, you know, eventually got to the point like, you know, I don't love this girl, you know, I just, she was convenient. I didn't have nowhere to go in Chicago, so I wanted to go. That didn't work. So I called my mom like, hey, I'm coming back to Chicago. No, don't come back to Chicago. And by this time, my brother, he had already got into the program, and he was living in Las Vegas. And uh, she talked him into letting me come to Las Vegas. And um, I'm thinking when, when, when I get to Las Vegas, I'm finna go in this big, fine house. He live up in the Summerlin area. That's where people got money, live in Summerlin. And uh, I'm thinking this is where I'm finna go. I'm like, yeah, I got it now. I get off the Greyhound bus, and I'm like, this ain't going away. This ain't Summerlin way. Where you going? Where we going? Think he finna take me to eat somewhere? He took me to this old rundown neighborhood and uh, dropped me off at a halfway house. And that's night, that was in 2007. Um, that's when I was introduced to Alcoholics Anonymous. I, I, I had heard of AA but never really knew, I didn't know, I didn't really know what it was because I never stuck around to get involved and see what was going on. So I got up in the, uh, got up in this halfway house and it was a uh, uh, halfway house and they had, it was very structured and the, 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 the house guy was like, okay, if you're in this house, you got 72 hours, about within 72 hours, you need to have a sponsor and if you don't have a sponsor, by within 72 hours, pack your S-H-I-T and get the F-U-C-K-O-U-T. And I didn't have nowhere to go. So we went to this big meeting on that Sunday. That was the last day. It was on, and I'm looking around, and I seen this little nerdy guy that I had seen in the meetings all the time. I'm trying to find somebody that's gonna, that, I can, that I can get over on, somebody that I can connive and, you know, slip my way through the program. And I picked out this, this, this nerdy-looking guy, and I said, tag you it, you're my sponsor. And um, this guy began to work with me with the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, um, and we went, we, he took me through the steps. Um, we met like once a week, and then by this time, I'm in the, in the halfway house, and it was mandatory that if you didn't have a job, that you had to go to all the house meetings. And then on like Tuesdays and Thursdays, they had an outside meeting that we had to go through. And I went. And by this time, going through the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous and, and going to Big Book Studies, now I'm getting into the Alcoholics Anonymous, finding out who I am, knowing that once I pick up their first drink, I set off a phenomenon of craving to the point where Hubert is not in control no more. And for years, I thought I was in control of my life. I thought I was in control of my destiny, but I wasn't in control. Alcohol and that other stuff was in control of my life. And as I, as I got into the, the, uh, the work and, and going through these different chapters, the, the one one of my favorites was there is a solution, and when 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 I heard them say there is a solution, that my eyes automatically popped open and I was attentive because I'm like, okay, there's a solution. Okay, so so you mean I don't have to be like this no more? I don't have to stay like this because I used to always wonder when I die, 
if I died of an overdose or, or, or driving drunk, I used to always wonder, what was the preacher going to say at my funeral? Was he going to get up there and tell the truth? Huber was a drunk and he died like a fool or he was an addict and all this? Or was he going to get up there and sugarcoat and say, oh, you know, Huber was a nice guy and all this and all that? No. After When I found out that there was a solution and that I didn't have to end up like I came in, they told me, y'all told me when I first came in, I never had to feel like that again, that, that, that feeling of being useless and uh, uh, being down and like, don't nobody want, what? I don't have to feel like that no more. All I got to do is stay plugged in to my higher power and have a sponsor with a sponsor with a sponsor with a sponsor with the working knowledge of this process and allow this process to take control of your life. Man, you had me. I stopped going to jail. People started liking me. They wanted me to come around. My wife been calling me a a fool for years, and it was going in one end out the other. But when I sat down at the table with another alcoholic <coughs> that I thought didn't know me, see, when you come in here as a newcomer and you identify yourself as an alcoholic, other alcoholics in it, we might not know where you're from, but if you say I'm an alcoholic, we know you, buddy. We know you. We know what you're capable of doing. We know what you're capable of not doing if you don't stick to this process. You know, and, 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 and I, 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 got, I was real excited, you know, and I got so excited to the point where I jumped back in the driver's seat after four and a half years. I'm like, I got this. And you know what happened? Relapsed. Relapse is a part of my story. You know what? And I'm glad that it's a part of my story because prior to coming to AA, I didn't know. I didn't. I didn't have. I didn't have nothing away because I had never been in the Alcoholics Anonymous. Now I've been in the Alcoholics Anonymous for almost four and a half years, and I'm like, okay, now I saw. I saw where I was when I was doing the AA deal to the T, and I and I know what it was when I wasn't in AA. So I was like, okay, either swallow your pride, you know what I'm saying, uh, uh, go, on, go back and go on back to the meeting. Because I used to go to a meeting on Sunday mornings faithfully. And when I relapsed, I stopped going to them. I ain't want to go to them. Y'all know, we ain't finna go to no. I've been drinking. I've been getting, I ain't going to no meeting. And I'll never forget, it was this old time we had, he was coming up on 42 years. And uh, on Saturdays, they, they, did, they did the birthdays in Vegas. And, uh, Everybody would call me. They was calling my phone like, Hubert, where you at? Where? We miss you. And I'm getting all the messages and stuff. I'm not answering the phone. I'm like, man, I don't want to talk to them. You know, I'm, I'm embarrassed. You know, I'm hurt. You know what I'm saying? But this dude, he called my phone. And when I seen, when I seen who it was, I'm like, this guy got 40-something years. Why he, what is, why he calling me? Why he, why, why he concerned about me? But before I knew it, I had pushed the answer button and was talking to him. And he said, hey, Hubert, how you doing? I said, I'm okay. He said, well, you know what? I'm coming up on 43 years, and, and you know, Saturday, they having my birthday. And he said, man, I would love to. I would love it if you come 
come celebrate my birthday with me. I'm like, man, how am I going to tell this guy no? You know, I'm like, all right, sir, I'll, I'll be there. You know, and, and I tried to wait till the meeting started, till everybody was in and sitting down and, and, in a place and going to try to slip in in the back. And he was sitting all the way up in the front, and he sat, sat at a place where he could see everybody coming to the door. That's what I like about old timers. They sit back in the spot and they observe. They might not say nothing, but they'll sit back and they'll observe, and they'll watch everybody coming in, and they see people coming in. And when they see somebody coming in that look like, I don't belong here, they see somebody come in that's afraid, that, 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 that old timer will get up there and go and introduce and say, hey, my name is Tom, how you doing? You know, and that's how they did me. When I first came into an AA meeting, I'm like, man, where am I at? You know, and, and when he looked over, he seen me. And this, I'm talking about this meeting was packed. This guy got up from the front of the room, came all the way back there where I was, grabbed me, stood me up, and hugged me, and started crying, and was like, man, I'm glad to see you. I'm like, I'm like, God, what kind of stuff is this? They told me, y'all told me, this is the only place where we don't kill our wounded. And at that time, I was wounded. I didn't want to be around nobody. But that, that guy with all that time took a little time to come and say to little old me, man, I love you, man. Glad you're back. And from that day to this day, I have not picked up a drink or a drug. You know, and a couple of months later, after his birthday, that's when I moved to Arizona. I got to Arizona. One thing he told me before I left, he said, make sure you get, when you get there, get you a good sponsor. I'm like, get a good sponsor? I don't even know where no mean place is at. But when I got here, the fear of, of relapsing was so overwhelming on me. It caused me to pick up my phone. At the time when I first moved, we had moved in. We moved right off of uh, off the uh, Glendale and I-17, 27th uh, Avenue. And this, that's the hood over there, y'all, in case you didn't know. And we moved over there, and I'm like, man. Well. And the fear of relapsing was, not wanting to relapse was so strong. I'm like, let me see, Alcoholics Anonymous, 1-800. I called the number. And, and the lady got on the phone. She sounded like she was an old white lady who didn't have nothing to do but answer the phone all day. And I'm like, ma'am, ma'am. I say, uh, I'm trying to find a meeting. Uh, I just, I'm new in town. I don't know where to go. But my sponsor from Vegas told me I need to find a good AA meeting. She said, okay, Sonny, well, uh, let me see what time is it. Okay, it's about 8, 8 o'clock, 8.30. She said, uh, there's a good meeting over on uh, Northern and 35th. Uh, uh, if, you get, if, you, uh, if you make it in time smoking, uh, I, forgot, I can't think of the name of the, uh, what's the name of that group over there? But anyway, she said, if you, make it, if you make it over there in time, it's a good meeting over there. I'm like, okay. She gave me the address. I put the address in the phone and jumped in the car and went. I'm like, man, I went in there. When I went in there, I was like, oh, my God. Did nobody in there look like me? <laughs> I said, where this lady done sent me to? 
And them guys over there, they looked tough. It was biker dudes and biker girls, and some of them, it was a whole bunch of Harleys out front. Some of them dudes had knife holsters like Tom be having sometimes, and big long knives and stuff. Some of them might have had some gun holsters. I just didn't see. And I went in there and I sat in the back. I sat all the way in the back, and I had one arm on the door. And I'm like, man, I said, I said, man, if these white people look at me like I'm crazy, I'm getting up out of here. It was another dude, he was old, I told you about them old time. He was sitting at he was sitting at the table and he looked over there and he came over there. He said, Hey, my name is Andy. Welcome to Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm like, when he did that, I was like, oh, sigh of relief. And he was sitting down and I was standing up and he did like this. He said, Come here, come here. I'm like, what's up? He said, It's a little white in here, ain't it? And I started <laughs> And I put that big smile on my face, and once I smiled, he, he, they had me. He was like, don't worry, they all friendly. And when I tell you I, uh, I acquired some good people, some good friends with some good, good recovery in that room, <clears throat> and uh, from, like I say, from, from that day up, up until now, I have not had a, a reason to pick up a drink or, or a drug, you know. And, and when I share, I share with such enthusiasm because when I share, I want people to realize I'm not playing. I'm serious. This process works. And I'll just be trying to convince you if you do what you people tell us to do. And that's another thing. When I came in here and they said, you people, I'm like, man, what you mean, you people? What you trying to say? Y'all told me to keep coming back, keep coming back. You know what? I found out that I'm a you people too. Yeah, I'm a you people. You know, but Alcoholics Anonymous has changed my entire life. You know, it's not about materialistic things, but when I came in here, I didn't have nothing. I still ain't got nothing. You know, but because of Alcoholics Anonymous, everything that I own today should be stamped property of AA. You know, because I didn't have nothing when I came in here. You know, it's it's not even about the materialistic things. It's just about, you know, God would do would do for you what you can't do for yourself. You know, um, man, I this this program, this process is so amazing. You know, uh, I I love to extend my hand to to the newcomers when they come in, when they look scared and when they don't know what to do, you know, I'll go cuff them up because when I came in, I could relate. I could identify when you first coming in here and you 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 feeling like, oh, I don't belong here. This ain't the place for me. But if it's anybody that's newer than myself, man, and you feeling like you don't belong here, I promise you, stick around. Stick around until the miracle happens. The miracle going to happen. See, this program, this process is not for people who want it. It's not for people who need it. It's for people who do it. Because when you come in here, you got to do something if you want to stay around here. Point blank. And my, my sponsor tell me, meeting makers make it. You know, but I take it a little step further. I go to meetings, but I got to get in that big book of Alcoholics Anonymous because I need to know what, what's causing me to do what I do. You know, and if I don't get into that book, if I don't go to no book studies, then I don't know why I'm doing what I'm doing. Y'all help me out. You know what I'm saying? When you come in and you share your experience, strength, and hope, I can't hold when I come. If I don't tell you what's going on in my life, that could cause somebody to go drink because if I tell you what I did not to drink, 
and then you listen to what I did not to go and drink, then if you do what I did, then you can have the same testimony that when my wife left me, I didn't drink. You know what? As long as you hang around here, you're going to have a turn. What are you talking about, Hubert, have a turn? You're going to have a turn to deal with divorce. You're going to have a turn to deal with losing your job. You're going to have a turn to deal with death. You're going to have a turn to deal with somebody going through a sickness. But the bottom line is, when your turn comes and when life shows up, what are you going to do? Do you have a foundation built up under you from the Alcoholics Anonymous in these 12 steps and principles? Do you have something to stand on? What do you have to stand on? What are you doing? What are you doing? I want to live today. So if I had to jump on the highway tonight and drive to a place that I've never been before, because I've been the worst place than this, looking for drugs. We drove longer than that, or walk, because I didn't have a car then. Looking for, looking for drugs, looking, trying to get loaded. So you think I wasn't going to jump in my car and come out here to share my experience, strength, and hope to somewhere that I've never been before? Man, Alcoholics Anonymous is everywhere. God got his people scattered all over the place. You might not share like me. I might not share like you. Different strokes for different folks. But you might have a spill that will reach somebody that somebody else can't reach. So don't sit down on, on, on what you went through. I need to hear what you went through. I need to hear on a daily basis what, what are you doing to stay sober. What are you doing? I need to know, man, because a guy like me will forget and think that the coast is clear and that I can go get one more. And I know today that one, one is too many and a thousand, I ain't going to want to stop. I'm going to set off that phenomenon of craving. Wife ain't going to know where I'm at. The boss going to be looking for me because I ain't going to show up for work. The lights going to get turned off. If you live next door to me, some of your stuff might start coming up missing. Because I'm a steal. See, they talk about you haven't done it yet. That yet. I ain't worried about the yet. I'm worried about the stuff I still know how to do. I still know how to lie. I still know how to steal. I still know how to manipulate. I still know how I ain't forgot how to do that stuff because I've been clean. I ain't forgot. I'm not saying that I practice that stuff. I don't do that. I live by the golden rule, do unto others as you had them do unto you. I try, to, I try to be a productive citizen in society today. And it's all because of Alcoholics Anonymous. Alcoholics Anonymous is my life today. And my job, my job, know that. It could be the middle of the day. If I'm, in, if I'm around Goodyear, Avondale, Litchfield, if it's 12 o'clock, I'm going to the noonest meeting. I ain't, got, I ain't got to call them and say I'm taking lunch. They already know. They got the GPS. They know where I be at. If, if I ain't on the job, if I ain't at the church, I'm at a meeting. If I don't get home in time enough to, to, to switch out my, my company truck and get in my car, if I'm at a meeting, they ain't going to say nothing. Because they know I sat down and I, I, set, I set the boss down and told him, look, I'm an alcoholic. And the attic. Certain times of the day, mostly at twelve, if I'm in a certain part of the city, I'm gonna go. I'm going to a meeting. So if I have any calls, can you please schedule them around my meeting? They was cool with that. They, hey, I, ain't, I, I, I believe in being honest and being straight up. You know, and who, who, who? 
who would have thought that a guy like me from Chicago, when I go to church, when, when, when my pastors leave and go out of town, they leave me in charge. Yeah, they leave me in charge. You know, because they know I'm going to do the right thing. They know, you know, when the offering bucket come around and, you know, because they ain't there, you know, it's going to be what it's supposed to be because Gaffney and Hubert's not going to steal, you know. And he don't do that no more. If you call me or you text me and you tell me, well, sir, this is what I want the offering to be, then I'm going to do my job. If I got to come out of my pocket to make sure that the rent get paid for the church or, you know, I'm going to do that, you know, because, because, of, because of this process and this Alcoholics Anonymous, I get to do stuff that I never did before, you know, just have a few dollars in my pocket. Uh, I'm going to say this and shut up. A couple months ago, my wife, cousin, back in Vegas, young girl, uh, at the time she was 19 or 20, but she had two kids, and she really couldn't care. She, she, couldn't, she couldn't work. And take care of the kid, both of the kids the same. So long story short, we took, we took the baby baby, and brought him down here to Arizona. We kept him for about eight or nine, eight to nine months, and we let him. We, we I, I didn't want to, but let him go back home, you know. And he went home. His dad, you know, she with this knucklehead that's, you know, in and out of, you know, in and out of stuff. And, um, he's on parole, and he, um, you know, when you're on parole, you're not supposed to have no firearms. So this guy, you know, he had a firearm laying around in the house, and the, um, the baby got a hold of the gun. And the baby, two years old, almost three, blew his brains out. That was a test right there to see whether I was really rooted and grounded in this process. First thing I did was call my sponsor, Tom Carson, crying like, man, uh, okay, Hubert, okay. you need me to come where you at? No, sir, I'm okay. It's just it was just a heavy hit. Um, a couple days went by. They sent word down here. They wanted me to preach, do the eulogy for the baby. Like Tom, what I'm gonna say? But you know what? Through all of that. I wasn't tempted to pick up a drink. I wasn't tempted to go smoke nothing. I was tempted to do the right thing. Because going to get loaded, I said all that to say, stuff going to show up in your life, and sometimes it's going to hit you in the gut, and it's going to hurt. And, it's gonna, and sometimes you're going to feel like God is being unfair. But God wasn't being unfair. God is just being God. A lot of times God going to do stuff that we're not going to understand and we're not going to think he's right. 
But he, that's why he God and we not. I'm like, Lord, I don't know what, what lesson or what, what you're trying to get out of this. But if it, if it Carl, Carlson told me, he said, Hubert, if it ain't nothing but for you to be strong for your family during this time, then take it for that. And when I tell you we got, we got through it, and I said all that to say this, the girl didn't have insurance for the baby. She ain't she a young, she's a kid. And the dad was they locked him up for, you know, neglect, you know, and I didn't share it in the meeting. I came, I had to come out of my pocket to pay. I had already paid, but then somebody in the meeting. Pulled me to the side. He, no, he, he gave me his number. No, he, he got my number for somebody in the group. And he called me. He said, hey, Hubert, I got some guy, a group of guys from my church. I need you to let me know what the doctor bills was for the baby and how much it cost for the funeral and all of that. And we're going to pay for it. I'm talking about guys in this, in this, in this circle or triangle, whatever. Guys in the, in the fellowship. And I'm like, man, we we are we got it. We everything was is taken care of. But when I say, even though I might not know you, faces in here that I haven't seen before, we family. It's not a white thing, it's not a black thing, it's not a Mexican thing, it's an alcoholic thing. We all suffer. Big book of alcoholics anonymous say. Normally, we probably wouldn't even hang out together. But because we, we have a, a common ground that we're we trying to stay sober, we come in these rooms an hour a day, some of us every day, and share our experience, strength, and hope on what to do when life show up. Because that's all we're doing. Because life going to show up. But because of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and those 12 steps that you allow to be implemented in your life, you can stand the day. I'm grateful today, man. I, 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 I don't know what to say. I don't know, I don't know how this deal works, but this is the only deal where when I came in and I surrendered, man, I automatically won. If I was to sit down when I first came in and make a list of everything that I wanted to achieve and, you know, do, I would have came up short. I would have came up short. A whole lot of stuff that has happened in my life since I've been in this program, I wouldn't even thought of. On my best day, I wouldn't even thought of it. I wouldn't, I couldn't, I wouldn't. I wasn't able to pull it off. I'm still not able to pull it off. Only way I pull it off is with my high power. And you people, man, I need y'all. I can't do this by myself. I used to be the one when I was in school, the teacher could be explaining the assignment. 
And I wouldn't even know what's going on, but because I was afraid you was going to laugh at me and say, oh, Hubert don't know how to do algebra. Hubert don't know how to do trigonometry. I was scared to raise my hand because I ain't want you to laugh at me because I didn't know. Well, I'm raising my hand today. I don't know how to live, man. I need y'all help. If I jump back in the driver's seat, I'll be dead in 60 days. Because I'm going to pick back up and I'm going to start running again. I need y'all help. 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 I know some people probably think I got it all together, but help. I don't got it. If I don't do what y'all tell me to do, my life is routine. I have to do it every day. I have to get up in the morning. I have to say my prayers. God, you got to help me. God, you got to lead me. And then at the end of the day, man, I got to cap it off. I got to get back on my knees and say, Lord, did I misuse anybody? Did I mistreat anybody? Did I flip somebody off on the highway today? Was I rude on the phone? Well, God, if I was, I'm sorry. Because I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be him. I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be that monster no more. I don't know. He's not nice. He don't, he, he don't care. He don't care about wifey. He don't care. I got five girls. He don't care about now one of them girls when he get loaded. He don't care about no birthdays. He don't care about Christmas. He don't care. He's a hurricane, tornado, tsunami, all wrapped up in one because he's going through and he's blowing everything. He's wrecking everything. See, I'll be the one that sabotage my own happiness. Not you, me. I'll sabotage it because I get to the point where I think I got it. And I don't need to call my sponsor and check in. And I don't need to come to my meeting. I don't need to, I don't need to uh, check in with another alcoholic. I don't, I don't need to do No, I need to do that. I need to do that. I got to do that. I want to do it because I like what I've been getting. I like what I've been getting. You know, even the bad stuff. See, in recovery, it's like this. And then sometimes you can be going, life can be doing just like this. And out of nowhere, boom, it'll come, it'll, a drop will come. But if you got that, like I said earlier, if you got that solid foundation, you got a good program up under you, you got good people in your phone that you can call, good people that know you, and not going to let you BS your way around. Tell you, 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 you need to stop lying. Stop lying to yourself. Them the kind of people I got in my life. Stop, Hubert, stop lying. But you know what? I stopped lying because telling the truth is easy for me. I can remember the truth. But when I start lying, I forget what I told you. I'll tell you something else. But if I tell you the truth, the truth is what it really is. That's what happened. I came in these rooms. I was utterly defeated. I didn't have no more fight in me. I didn't want no more of what the world had to offer. And I surrendered to this program. Do I cross every T and dot every I? Am I perfect? Am I a big book thumper? No. Mm-mm, not yet. I'll get there. Because I know it works. Like I say, I like what I've been getting. You know, this program, it works. My wife like it. <laughs> she loves it. 
You know, um, my mom loved it. She said, I got my son back. I can remember calling her and say, Mom, I'm in jail. All right, baby, I know where you're at. Bye, click. <laughs> she said that's the best rest she got, knowing that I was locked up and couldn't be, couldn't harm myself. You know, but man, I'm man, I don't know. I wouldn't trade this for the world. It was worth me coming out here. Cause in order to give give it away. You have to bend and go on through something. You got to. And I know this story touched somebody. And if I just touch one person, God be the glory. I don't want nothing. I just want to be able to live another day peace, of peace, joy, happy, and free. You know, that's why clean house, trust God, and what's the rest? Others. Help others. Help others. Trust God enough people to But like I said, when I first came in and that that other alcoholic extended his hand to me, I felt I felt welcome. Yeah. I can go into a meeting now, I don't care how many black people in there. I ain't going in as a black person. I'm going in as an alcoholic. So I'm grateful. Thank you, Charlie, for inviting me. It took a while because we had a couple of, couple of times you put me on and some came. I think that's what happened the last time the baby head got killed and I had to was dealing with that stuff, so that's why I didn't, wasn't able to come. But this time I was like, Lord, I want to get on out there because I heard a lot about this, this meeting, meeting spot and I at least wanted to come say I went once. You know, but... Uh, Thank you guys for listening. My name is Hubert. I'm an alcoholic. Thank you for letting me share. Oh, thank you. Thank you.